0: You guys know how much I love nursing schools. Well, we have another one that wants us to tell you about their MSN and DNP Family Nurse Practitioner Programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years, and right now they are offering tons of scholarship opportunities starting at $10,000 for both of these programs. You know, I'm in the midst of getting my MSN, and let me tell you, I wish I would have known about these scholarships when I first enrolled. Visit them at smumsn.com and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's All right.
1: Well, we are about to do our final um, podcast of the day and wrap up the first Nurses PodCon. So excited! Mm-hmm. We have Miss Lovely Tina, who is the host of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. But I want to give thanks to Miss Tina for organizing this whole event and getting us all together here in Nashville. And hopefully, we'll be doing this again sometime soon. I'm gonna give it up to Miss Tina here with Goodness Bradner since she's got some amazing other special guests that you may
0: recognize from earlier today. Thank you, Jessica. So, this is really kind of nerve wracking for me. I'm really nervous, so I'll probably forget everyone's name. And forget everything I was about to say. So I already told them if I stop talking, please (laughs) jump in. (laughs) So thank you guys so much. This has been so much fun. My favorite part of the whole thing is getting to meet these nursing podcasters from all over the country, literally from everywhere. And I, I just I've had so much fun. This has just been a blast. I we're already starting to plan the next one, and I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsors who did make this. Possible before we get started with this Badner story, and boy, is it ever a creepy story that we have to tell! But Samuel Merritt University is a wonderful university in California. One of our very own nursing podcasters actually went to school there, Annie, with uh, my nursing game, and they have a wonderful family nurse nurse practitioner program. Right now, they have ten thousand dollars in scholarships for that program. Stoggles. Uh, it's a company that brought fashion to PPE. They have the coolest ever eye safety wear. Trusted Health is the travel nurse agency that I use as a travel nurse. Echo Health has made an amazing device that amplifies the sounds that you hear in your stethoscope. It is wonderful. They gave all of us, uh, <laughs> not just the device, but actual Lipman cardiology for stethoscopes with the device attached to it. Unbelievable. And then CBD stat The purest form of CBD products, absolutely no THC in their products, so appreciative of all of our sponsors for making this possible. So I guess we can get started. And I do have with me today, Adrienne with Nursing Uncensored, Jamie with the Neurodivergent Nurse, and Tom, one half, I won't say which half.
2: (laughs) The
0: bad one. He says the bad uh, (laughs) of Just some podcasts for advanced practitioners. So, so happy to have you guys here. I guess we can get started with this story. We're going to go all the way back to the early 1800s for this story. This is the story of Lydia Sherman. Lydia was born in New Jersey in 1824. Her mother passed away when she was about a year old, and she decided to go live with her uncle. Not when she was a year old. When she was a little bit older, can you just imagine the one-year-old going, "I've had it up to here." But no, when she was a little bit older, her father remarried, and she wasn't fond of her stepmother, so she went to live with her uncle on a farm. There's not a whole lot of information about her early childhood during this time, but she stayed on that farm until she was about 16 years old, and. You know, have you ever noticed like some of the older books kind of describe women in not the nicest terms? So they described her as a comely young woman with blue eyes and dark hair. I'm not sure if that's very... I don't even know what
1: that means.
0: I don't feel like it was nice. So
1: the word comely is an old way of saying beautiful or handsome. It's the opposite of
0: homely. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I was thinking. I was like, that doesn't sound very nice. And I'm not a genius or anything. I just know that
1: because uh, the indie band Neutral Milk Hotel has a song called... Oh, calmly. So it's just because, you know, I like indie rock and not because I'm like really like well-read.
0: Well-versed like in, in, in the yeah, language so of I'm the 1800s.
1: A list of the early modern uh, Americas or anything like that.
0: <laughs> okay, good to know because I was just like, what in the world? Well, she first met widower Edward Strzok at a church dinner when she was about 17 years old. And she became enamored with him, and they got married. He had—he was a widower. and He had six children from a pre, from his previous marriage, and then they had six or seven children. And I like how it's like six or seven. You know, I mean, however many, it was a lot. Okay, some of <laughs> them live a baker's yeah. dozen. <laughs> I, was,
2: I would say either way around, that is a lot of children. <laughs> six or seven plus six or seven, you're you're getting up to a football team going <laughs> on. So <laughs> a good football team.
0: Exactly. Well, he was a blacksmith when they met, and then he became a police officer later on. Uh, Because when you think of one, you think of the other. I mean, yeah. Aren't they (laughs) synonymous? (laughs) Well, his career in law enforcement kind of soured because he was accused of cowardice during a hotel robbery and he lost his job because of witness just testimony that's kind of... that like the old-timey
1: version
0: of being called a snowflake? Or, like, that... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it made me sad when I read that. of being a coward. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, oh, like, but you're a coward!
2: But in police work... If there's a crime being committed and you're unwilling to go take care of it, they tend to frown oh, on that. I Even today. The like this isn't is
1: everything. Yeah,
2: this isn't an eighteen so hundreds.
1: Like he actually like, yeah. like he refused to take care of his yeah. Yes. His business Even business. Okay. today.
2: Okay. okay, I understand. Still, still problematic.
1: problematic. See, I understood calmly, but I didn't understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I needed that explained. Well, hey, the it four of us, out. we'll yeah. figure all this <laughs> yes. out, between, you know, among the four this of is, us.
1: This is why we have the panel this here. This is what the panel is for. Us.
0: <laughs> well, he did lose his job as a result of eyewitness testimony during that robbery. And he could he had a hard time getting another job, uh, as you can imagine. He And his mental health suffered as a result. He was depressed, lack of motivation, couldn't get out of bed. I mean, this is mental health issues. I mean, this is... Something that's not new, right? It it was always there, whether or not people addressed it. And I could certainly see a a man who lost his income, lost his job because he wasn't able to be brave enough to go into a a robbery situation.
3: With twelve and thirteen kids at home, yes, yes,
0: (laughs) that's exactly right. I'm sure that played heavily into his thoughts. You know, when when in that situation, well. He did get, you know, he was in this situation, not getting out of bed. And all of a sudden, and now mental illness is one thing, but he actually became violently ill, excruciating abdominal pains, burning throat, diarrhea, and convulsions. I mean, talk about red flags. Something is not quite, I mean, I, depression is one thing, right? But I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever heard of depression causing...
2: Yeah, violent illness? Right. Yeah, that shouldn't be there.
1: So
0: my depression has never made me prove my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let us know, okay? I keep opposed to it. Posted. Well, some reports suggest that the attending physician suspected poisoning, but she flippantly dismissed the notion and informed the doctor that it was possible that Struck took an incorrect medication. So maybe he just grabbed the wrong bottle. His medical history remains unknown, but it Wouldn't entirely be implausible for someone of this time period to obtain a sort of like a snake oil type of medication, like a cure-all concoction that had no telling what ingredients.
2: Prior to the FDA, like cough syrup had heroin in it. So, yeah, that, that wouldn't be impossible that some medication is causing possibly some of these problems. <laughs> Though it did get rid of your cough, apparently. So, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You. you felt great. And <laughs> no, you <didn't. laughs>
2: but suddenly I kept coughing. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, ultimately, he, he, he didn't die from a, an elixir. He, Sherman, failed to inform the physician that she made a trip to her local pharmacy for arsenic, which, Incidentally, you you could get easily in the form of rat poisoning in the nineteenth century. In this
3: day and age, at least you would have security cameras to catch people,
0: right? That's what I'm talking about. Like we every week in, week out on good nurse, bad nurse, it's always like, and he was at the Home Depot, and the, you know, security footage showed him buying a rope and a, an anchor, and you know, you're just like. Dude, <laughs> yeah, she would have totally been on, <laughs> been caught. She also failed to mention that while she was making his breakfast as the dutiful wife, she added a thim- a thimbleful of a special secret ingredient into his oatmeal. So, spoiler alert, you guys, the secret ingredient wasn't love. Nor was it round I'm
2: gonna start suspecting she just went and bought rat poison, <laughs> and she gave him a secret ingredient. Spoiler alert, yeah, you just said it. I think we know what's coming. And this is
0: why we don't eat at potlucks, people. I like to give little tidbits of advice. You don't go camping, don't climb ladders, don't ride motorcycles, and don't eat potlucks. <laughs>
3: That's so hard to do when you're from the South. Oh, <laughs> like, finish. That's every Sunday after church. <laughs> like, all of those things are after church. Like, <laughs> we go camping on Sunday night? (laughs) We get the church parking
0: lot. (laughs) So the mystery illness seemed impossible to eradicate in Sherman's household. Even two years after her husband's death, all her children contracted the illness. But most of their death certificate listed the cause of death as typhoid fever. So it was awfully convenient for her that this was sort of going around at the time.
2: In fairness to whoever certified the death certificate, the symptoms are roughly the same. Mm -hmm. It's very easy in 18 40, 24, to make probably that distinction if you weren't suspecting an arsenic poisoning. So.
1: <laughs> and so they didn't put on the death certificate, like they don't wash their dishes with soap and there's arsenic <laughs> all over their dishes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so she moved to Connecticut and began a job as a nurse. Dun, dun, dun. This is not good. This is not going well. A friend introduced Sherman to Dennis Hurlbutt. This I, I, name is killing me. A wealthy farmer and fisher. So, Tom, I'm thinking we're using the word friend quite loosely here.
2: <laughs> I don't know that friend would be the correct term that I would put on this, yeah.
0: He was several years Sherman senior, but the couple fell in love and were married shortly after declaring Sherman his sole heir to his estate and wealth, wow. They fell in love. And by the way, I'm gonna sign everything over to you. I love that too. <laughs> Well, about that time, his health began to decline. Maybe he should have passed on the clam chowder. So he was described as, quote, "...suffering acute pains in the head and stomach, accompanied by an intense burning, as if he had a violent fever." The attending physician sent away for assistance of his peers for a diagnosis, but to no avail. Holbert had succumbed to the mystery illness before a diagnosis could be determined. Foul play was suspected by some, but the suspicions were not acted upon. So Derby resident and skilled mechanic Nelson Horatio Sherman had a need for a housekeeper, and Sherman was quick to assume the position. Oh, dear. I mean I'm not sure how this woman's reputation didn't precede her. How is it that word didn't get around about the she, black cloud Yeah, she and keeps she, moving. She keeps moving. little going so far little right?
1: right. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no like yelp.
0: True. So Nelson was recently widowed and required care for his two children, Ada, she was 14, and Frankie, who was 15 months old. Nelson had a total of four children, but Frankie and Ada required the most nannying. Shortly after being under Nelson's employ, Sherman struck up a relationship with Nelson and they were married. So the mysterious illness followed Sherman and first claimed, oh, I really hate this part, the infant son before collecting the teenage daughter weeks later. Mm-hmm. Nelson was distraught at the loss of his children. While Nelson was no stranger to the drink, his alcoholism worsened as he was consumed with grief. He went on a week-long drinking binge with some friends in a neighboring town before Sherman sent Nelson's eldest son to retrieve him. Sherman was not thrilled about her husband's alcoholic adventures. So a short while later, Nelson, too, fell victim to the mysterious illness. Sherman could not evade the scrutinizing eye of skeptics and medical professionals. I mean, I would really hope.
2: You know, the, the first thing, similar symptoms to other, you know, viral infections, okay. Mm-hmm. And in her defense, probably women were the subject of extreme scrutiny in certain certain circumstances. I mean, we're not too far removed from if something bad happened, you just called someone a witch, you know, and executed them. So the first two, I can go, okay, you know, maybe, but yeah, three times. Every time you get married, someone gets sick and dies. Yeah. I don't care where you're at. And the that's whole family. Probably, yeah, the whole family, not just the dude. Except like, her. Yeah. Yeah, or or she's real lucky.
0: I wonder why she felt the need to do
3: it though. I mean, she had a wealthy husband who died and she had it all. So she was really just into being a serial killer.
1: Yeah, and is this a period of time where she was able to inherit anything? I mean, I don't know much about property laws at that time, but is she collecting on any of these things or is she just moving on to the next guy? Is this purely a motive of like, I just want to off these two? But it's terrible, you know. I make jokes about her, like killing her husband. But like, she's taking out kids too, and that's that's that's. I draw a line there, you know. Like, I'm I'm not gonna make jokes about things like that um but yeah it's kind of this is this is just kind of twisted like this isn't you know this isn't like she's and I don't think there's any justification for killing somebody but it's not like she's even got a, a motive that maybe could be understood like she's killing bad guys or something like a vigilante kind of thing so I'm curious to hear more I'm curious to hear about like how this,
0: how this resolves itself. So. Well, one doctor, Dr. J.C. Beardsley, requested to perform an autopsy on Nelson and was granted permission to conduct his research. He had sent some of the deceased organs to the medical department at Yale to further analysis. Dr. Beardsley was correct in his suspicions, as I know we're not shocked, that something fell was at play. His liver was found to be saturated with a high concentration of arsenic that would have been enough to kill three men. This discovery ultimately led investigators to exhume the bodies of Nelson's two children and Sherman's previous husband, Dennis Holbert. Arsenic was also detected in their autopsies as well. So there you go. Sherman remained blissfully unaware of law law enforcement's investigation and continued about her (coughs) day-to-day affairs. She had been traveling by train with her sister. Here she is just la di da traveling across the country. When she was apprehended by law enforcement at the train station upon her return to Connecticut. She was confronted with the evidence of foul play and charged with the murder of her husband. She awaited trial for eight days in New Haven, and the public was just, this killed me, the public was fascinated with the idea of a murderess in their midst. A a woman was thought to be nurturing and compassionate and incapable of heinous crimes like murder. Have they not heard of good nurse, bad nurse? There's no way they were. You guys haven't heard of my podcast, that's for sure. (laughs) They don't watch as much Snap. (laughs) Exactly. No, no, no. No, those are my bedtime stories. A woman was thought to be, like I said, nurturing and incapable of doing this. So the public coined several monikers for her, including the Derby Poisoner, America's Queen Poisoner, woman monster and yeah, that's a good one. yeah woman monster and the wickedest woman and had a few other names i guess as well so she was 45 at the time of her trial and the public was disappointed to find her appearance seemingly ordinary for a victorian woman they must have just wanted her to just look hideous you know with like a hump on her back i don't know what they were thinking but they just they were just like what she just looks like you and me this is not
2: well people feel that need to have that reinforcement like if you, i think you're a bad person but you look like a normal person, then it's hard for me to continue to imagine you as a bad person. So they need that connection for that two plus two to equal four.
1: Yeah. And also to distance themselves from it. Like, oh, sorry, Jamie's just like being our microphone stand. She like moves the microphone back and forth.
3: But also like, if you look like
1: me, then how do I separate, you know, myself from... The evil that you do, like how, if you look like my friends, then how do I know my friends aren't serial killers? You know, like, how do I separate myself from this evil? So it's like these head games that we play, like, you, you're pretty, you can't be a criminal, like, you look rich. Like, we have all these ages that
0: are stupid. That's so true. She apparently had a very stoic countenance. And so they kind of locked onto that and decided that her indifferent expression was basically an admission of guilt and a surefire way of of identifying a murderess. So they found a way to make her look like a murderer, I Mm -hmm. guess. Well, during the trial, she did confess at length of deliberately poisoning her children, stepchildren, and her three husbands with arsenic. So there are some accounts, and this is just so bizarre. I can just imagine this woman, woman sitting here one after another, literally trying to explain away. You know, you were saying earlier, like, how could she she tried she literally tried to explain away every single one trying to give an excuse or a justification as to why she had to do it she said that her conduct was the result of acting on the best interest of those she cared for holbert was becoming unsteady in his old age and she could not bear to see him struggle to perform mundane tasks like shaving I mean, her heart was just too big for her. So she was basically like, yeah, I did
1: it, but I had good reason. Oh,
0: yes, absolutely. Like he was getting old and it was, he was going to nick his face. Mm-hmm. Baby Frankie was a sickly child whose condition baffled doctors, and her husband allegedly remarked that he wished someone would put an end to the child's suffering. It's not really the picture that I got you know, from the suffering that he endured after um, his children died. And then Ada, she was battling influenza, Nelson. It, she said it wasn't her intention to murder him, but to create an aversion to alcohol by slipping a little arsenic into his brandy.
2: There is two types of arsenic poisons, just to get into this a little bit. There is chronic and acute. So acute gives you that sudden burst, diarrhea, abdominal pain, bleeding. Chronic is very often asymptomatic at first. So even if that was what she's intending to say, that doesn't make any sense because he wouldn't even start showing symptoms. So again, this is one of those, and obviously she's well-versed in poison. So I, I I don't think that this was, I think she thought she was being clever. And again, people with these psychopathic tendencies are very indifferent to her. It was no different than killing somebody else.
0: I mean, obviously, even if she were able to go through all of these different counts and, and explain away, you, you have her first marriage. We'll take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. You guys, a career in nursing is more than just a job. It's a lifelong journey of learning and growing, and professional development is key for any nurse hoping to advance their career. So how about you? Are you ready to take your career to the next level? If so, now is the time for you to get your certification in nursing. Earning your certification is a major professional milestone. It's a seal of approval recognized by professional peers, hiring managers, and patients. It signifies your commitment to excellence, your level of competence, and can make you more marketable in a competitive field, offering 18 different certifications, including 12 specialty certifications. Whether you're looking to earn your first certification, ready to renew or exploring new certifications, they are there to make the entire process as easy, affordable, flexible, and painless as possible. Whatever your practice level or desired specialty, they can help you prepare your exam with a range of affordable tools and resources designed to set you up for success. And their commitment to you goes well beyond the exam. They provide all the ongoing support, advocacy, guidance, and resources that you need throughout your nursing career. This is your career and you deserve the best at ANCC. They're going to be there to help you every step of the way. So visit pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN to learn more. That's pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN. And we'll put that link on our website. If you want to just go to Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, you can click on it from there. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's
3: four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil.
0: What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you?
3: The cream I put on every day after work, I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable and the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past.
0: I didn't realize that about the feet and I have plantar fasciitis, so now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products, greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash goodners, badners. Be sure and put the forward slash goodness badners in there so they know that we sent you there. The cbdstat.care. Be sure and put dot care instead of dot com forward slash goodners, badners. So with the death of her first husband, her source of income was lost, and then she was the sole caretaker of many children. She said that she did not benefit from having multiple mouths to feed and that the children could not fend for themselves. So she's kind of saying... Why would I kill him on purpose? Then I'm just gonna have to turn around and feed all these children. But
2: but then she killed the children, right, so she was that sort of yeah, goes to show yeah. you
0: know, so I don't think she did herself any favors with her arguments there. Sherman was convicted of second degree murder. Second degree murder is I I'm just like really you accidentally or you you know No, that was pretty much on purpose. Yeah.
1: Like you pretty much intentionally did it directly on purpose for a reason.
2: The only and this is a stretch, but the only thing I can think of is a, there probably wasn't strict adherence to legal guidelines at that point, okay? B, she said it was on accident. So they were assuaging themselves by saying, well, we're gonna we're gonna make her a murderer, but she said it was on accident. So second degree would fit all of this. like and I again, trying not to be too stereotypical back then, they were like, they didn't want to see women. Women are supposed to be the nurturer, so I can't make you a monster. So this is what I can—I can feel okay with this outcome.
1: Soften it a little for the Victorian lady. Yeah.
0: Well, it was an all-male jury, of course, and uh, the thought is—well, <laughs> the thought is that they just could not stand the thought of convicting a woman of first-degree murder. Yeah,
2: I think I think that's likely.
0: Even even though she literally admitted what she did, they're still just going. Nope. Still second degree. (laughs) I don't care what you say. Sherman falsified her own illness while incarcerated, and she briefly escaped from prison about five years after her sentencing. She had secured herself a position as a housekeeper to an affluent widower in Providence. Wow, people. Authorities tracked her down and arranged for her to return to prison in Connecticut. The widower survived his encounter with her somehow, (laughs) likely due to police intervention, she died from cancer in May of 1878. It's unlikely that her passing was aided by any thimful, thimble fulls of arsenic. You can't get, like, cancer
1: from exposed, repeated exposure you, to yeah, arsenic? Yeah,
2: you can. Oh, was all right. I for chronic, you, is carcinogenic, yeah. So she may have indirectly caused her own, without knowing yeah. all the ins and outs. But if she was directly skin contact, like, if she was, instead of a thimble, like, if she's not direct contact, she should be relatively safe. But, yeah, if she was, like... Grabbing it out of the jar and sprinkling it in her food, that's arsenic will go through the porous. Well, in your she skin, probably so. wouldn't
0: realize that.
2: Yeah, so again, she outsmarted herself and created her problem.
0: At least there was justice somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her confessions were compiled into multiple books, but the accounts differ, especially when it comes to victim count. It's speculated that her list of victims may be closer to 10 rather than seven lives three husbands and four children. And that's it. That's the story of Lydia Sherman, the Derby Poisoner. I don't know.
1: You know, I don't think, I would hope that people wouldn't wouldn't be able to get away with stuff today because, you know, we we have so much uh, in terms of, I don't know, are there... Maybe I shouldn't talk about this because I don't watch CSI. I don't watch all these crime shows. I don't know what they can detect and what they can't. But I just feel like she was able to get away with a lot, traveling from city to city, not really having anything to like track her down, anything to trace her at one point and said like, oh, he was already dead. So they didn't really do anything about it. I would hope stuff like this wouldn't get away. But then again, you know. The justice system is what it is. So I'm sure there are cases out there where they were just like, oh, eh, we'll just we'll just put this back over here. We'll figure it out later. But this is just, this is pretty horrifying. This is definitely a bad nurse. She should not be a caretaker of anyone. She should not be making lunch, a housekeeper, <laughs> yeah, caretaking for widowers. I definitely
2: would not want her making me any meals, that's no. for sure. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think it was Jamie that said, like, there wasn't Yelp back then. Honestly, I think it or okay, I think honestly, if she had just killed her first family, this one we would not know this story.
3: Yeah, I
2: think I think it was the, rep- the repetitive pattern that even police in eighteen you know forties went. Hey, wait a second, did you have five people die? That's weird. I had five people die, and all of a sudden yeah. the chain of events started. Wait a second, it was her because she was here, and that's what that created that story. Because honestly, I do not believe at all that this would have come to light if she had stopped. The
1: last thing I'll say about this is that I thought it was funny because she was like, back in the 1800s. And it just made me think about how, like, Gen Z and pe- like, people in, like, that those younger generations are like, back in the 1900s. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> smack you. Don't say back in the 1900s. So anyway, that's what I thought of. When you were like, back in the 1800s, I was like, smack you kids.
0: Um, but that's what I thought. Well, one of the reasons that I wanted to do a story from kind of way back in the day is it's kind of nice to... Uh, be able to talk about a story like this and not have the thought that there could still be victims, family members, even uh, family members of the person who did the crime. And I, 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 we're, I'm always super careful to be respectful of people, and so with especially it being a live show, I don't have the uh, you know the ability to go, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. That probably would not come out the right way, and so at least I don't have to worry about there. You know, Lydia is not out there somewhere. Her family's not out there somewhere. Sure. Going, hey, that's my mom, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: But she killed all her kids, so I don't think that would have been <laughs> okay. a problem, anyways. So, I, hey, look, it's I your have story.
1: So kids. <laughs> <exactly. I'm like, laughs> oh, yeah.
2: yeah. So. It's literally only a third of them. So, you're right. Two thirds of those kids could have still been hammered away at this. <laughs> yeah. I'm the great granddaughter of Sherman, son of a.
0: Yeah. Hello.
2: Pulling the away? I don't know how I would have put it like that either, but you know. I mean I, I, Wow. It's teated it's version of the squid games over here all of a sudden. So I don't
0: even know what that is. <laughs> so I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where i at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. And use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. So you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. Do we have a good nurse to save this? We do have a good nurse story. This is a fascinating story. It's bizarre. It just happened a couple of days ago. This is basically this happened in Las Vegas. There is a couple driving down the road. They get into a domestic dispute, and the man decides to pull out a gun and start shooting. They get they get in a crash. They crash the car, a nurse is driving along, sees them in, in a crash, and what, what do we all do? We've done several stories of good nurses on Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, who, this, you know, doesn't end well. Nurses are notorious for stopping to help, you know. Stop.
3: Stop stopping. I mean,
0: it's, you know what, I've tried to, I've tried, I try to give just advice because I know they're going to keep doing it, we're going to keep going. You see someone that needs help and we're going to stop because that's what we do, but We've talked about this before um, on the show about being safe and making sure the scene is safe, you know, keeping yourself safe so you can get home to your family while you're trying to render aid to someone else. Well, in this case, this is a little different. When she stopped, I mean, she didn't know that he had a gun. She starts rendering aid to these two people, and she sees the gun laying there, and she realized what's happened, and she grabbed the gun, which I think is so incredibly brave, She grabbed that gun and held that gun until a police officer got there and she was able to turn it over to the police officer. So I'm just telling you that nurses amaze me all the time. Week in and week out, I do these stories. I get on the Internet and scour through trying to find stories. These are the easy ones to find because there are so many nurses, amazing people who are just willing to put themselves in harm's way. We do it every time we go to work, for crying out loud, but... (laughs) But if, even in situations like this, you're just out living your life and something happens and you just run toward, you know.
2: One thing I guess I would say to anybody listening that said, no, I would stop. Okay. If you're hurt, you can't take care of anybody else. So that, that's one of the things I, I know it sounds callous, but there are a lot of times where I tell people, do not put yourself in a bad situation because if you get hurt, now I have two problems. You know, I already had this one victim that somebody's going to have to take care of. But if you get hurt now, I have you and them, okay. And if you're hurt, all the people you were going to take care of now they don't have anybody. So realistically, it's a chain of events that you're creating by putting yourself in an unsafe situation. That's it's realistically at the end of the day, it's it's not worth it for your safe or the people that you're going to take care of. So I mean, I know I know that's hard to hear sometimes, but it's also something realistic to think about at times.
3: You're sitting
1: on a side. we got to if,
3: if we could get my husband on the phone and be like, hey, what does Jamie do? If she sees an emergency, what does she do or say? And Joe would be like, hey, do we need to stop? I'm like, I'm off duty. I stick by that. I don't like doing it on airplanes. I don't like doing it in public. I don't. It's always been my thing. And I feel so much guilt because of it. But just like that, i to work and I have to live no. I can make a phone call though. The
2: best thing I would say is what you just said. You know, if you want to stay on scene, call nine one one. Report what you're seeing. Because like you you literally said it. Well, she didn't know he had a gun. Well, no crap. Mm-hmm. Like that's the problem. You don't know what you're getting into. Give them information. Like just simple things. The most dangerous thing to her, besides that gun, clearly, was it's on the side of the road. It's at the scene of an accident. So the it's most dangerous thing to her, man. well, it's a violent man, but other traffic hitting her, you know, he's a a man with a gun, he may or may not shoot her, but a 4,000 pound car going 65 miles an hour hitting her, that's instantaneous, gone. So, you know, did she take the time to park her car in a position to make her safe? I bet you she didn't, and that's not her fault. She doesn't work in those environments. So again, if you're gonna help someone, help them in an environment that you know your space, that's not it. So the best thing you can do is be a witness, and that's what I would say. If you wanna help somebody help, but the best thing you can do is make that phone call. Do not interject yourself into a situation where you have no control or you don't understand what's going on because you're likely to make yourself a victim and then make the situation worse. In this case, it worked out, but that's And Tom is coming
0: from a place of, he is not only a nurse practitioner, he is a former police officer, so he's seen this. Yeah, I've seen,
2: I've been on the street, I've pulled up on scenes, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is way different. I mean, police officers, of course, it's a little different because that's what we're but that is our space or their space i guess now you know but even they they understand like you can go to a noise complaint and it's not it's actually a gunfight it's all sorts of stuff those are things that they're ready for you're driving home you just worked your 12 hour shift you're in your car you've never worked outside of the hospital that's not your that's not your zone don't go into it you're likely to make things worse and then get yourself hurt and at the end of the day you have to go home like when i trained new officers that's rule 1 is i go home okay everything else is secondary to rule number one.
0: You know, and there's also there's not a whole lot that anyone can do in the field when it comes when it comes right down to it. There are very few injuries aside from someone clear, literally, you know, cardiac arrest. They're they're bleeding out. or bleeding out. Yeah. I was pressure. saying tourniquets,
2: tourniquets, yeah. and CPR are about the only thing. About
0: the only thing.
1: That's what I tell people. I'm like. I'm an inpatient nurse. Like, do you need me to auscultate your bottles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: no, like,
1: you know, my I have aunts that are like, you can set their bones. No, what? No. <laughs> I, what? What do you think I do? So I will like you said, I will I will sit in my car way back. I will put a camera, like I will record a scene. I will call 911. I will call the local police. I will do what it takes. I know nurses personally. Like I knew one nurse that I worked with. She was a wonderful nurse and she saw a car go off the road. The car was on fire. She pulled an old man out of the car or I, maybe I'm getting the story wrong. She literally saved a person's life. She had, I don't know if she had emergency experience or not, but in that moment, she had seconds to make a decision and it happened to work out for her. Me, I'm clumsy. I don't have gloves. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even trained in like first aid. I am a fully inpatient hospital nurse. I'm not going to get my ass out there and twist my ankle in the gutter of the sidewalk. And then now I'm limping and I get shot or I, you know fall and hurt somebody else. I'm alive more of a liability, like you said. I am not, I'm not trained. I'm just gonna make more problems than I solve. If there's a situation where like I see an old person in the Walmart about to fall, oh my God, I'm gonna intervene. I will help them. But I've also like Jamie, I've said to Doug, I'm like, unless that person codes, I am not a nurse. And if you say a word, you are going to need a nurse. (laughs) So there's a time and a place. you got to make that judgment for yourself. You know, you also got to make the decision to have personal liability insurance, you know, good Samaritan laws and all that, like you can do your own research. But, you know, it's nice to have that uh, liability insurance that I believe some policies, most policies will cover you for that, like good Samaritan coverage. But it's important to know where your boundaries are if you're like an EMT and you have a crash bag in your car, that's different than if you're someone like me that has like a CPR valve mask that I got from the American Red Cross like eight years ago. So yeah, know, know your role, know what you're capable of doing. You know, if I come across somebody who like, you know, needs help to the Whatever an info desk at the hotel because they're old and they like their walkers broken like that's in that's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> but you really got to know what your you, I mean, you got to know what your boundaries are, and you should think about that. You know, when you're navigating the world, if you're a new nurse, think about like what are my boundaries what am i going to do for people and you know they even talk about knowing those boundaries in your BLS classes like you don't have to do mouth to mouth anymore you just get on the chest get that circulation going there are things you can do without pushing your boundaries beyond what keeps you safe
0: we have done many stories of nurses who have stopped to help people and and that have made a difference so i don't want to you know i don't want to minimize that but I want you guys to think about this. I have done I'll, way too many stories, and if you Google this, I'm I think you'll be surprised. There are so many nurses who have literally lost their lives doing this, and I just wonder of you know people who are willing to stop and help. How many of them truly? And I, I, I don't. I've, I fear this is going to come out the wrong way, but how many of them? truly made a difference in life or death in that person? Did they stop? Were they just sort of there with them, trying to help, trying to be there for them? But did they, did were they bleeding out? Did they stop them from bleeding? Did they perform CPR? There are a lot of stories of nurses performing CPR. Don't, don't get me wrong. But in this case, when you have a wreck in a dangerous situation on an interstate, Is it more likely that you would be killed, you know, hit by an oncoming car than it is for you to actually make a difference in life and death of this person? I I would implore you to Google it and see for yourself how common it is for this to happen.
2: I don't know numbers, but I bet you 10% of the time it's a good outcome. The other 90% of the time it's either it's neutral as in they didn't get hurt, but they weren't able to save the person's life, but they exposed themselves to risk or B, like you said, something worse happens. I mean, there are a couple of things, like you said. It's a controlled situation. You're in a Walmart. You see the person. They, you know, you can put a tourniquet on. That's one thing. Right. But to pull up on a crash, or you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I, I would tell you the best thing you can do is make that 911 call and get out of the way.
0: Be safe. Go home to your family. Do what you can to call 911. Get help and do what you can safely. But remember, your own life is, you know, worth something as well. So I, I hate to be discouraging to people who would, you know, want to run into the burning car and pull someone out or, you know, it's,
3: I don't think it's discouraging, but it's, or if it is, it's discouraging in order to help them live a longer, healthier, happier life. Yeah. And for the people that have
1: like pulled the kittens out of the burning buildings, like they deserve a round of fucking applause. I'm sorry. This is not nursing uncensored. I didn't mean to do that. They deserve a round of applause, like, because that's incredible. If you can do that, if first of all, if you're physically fit enough to do that, that's one round of applause. And then if you have the bravery and the compassion enough to do that, that's another round of applause. And, you know, I'm not just like dumping on the nurses that do the wonderful things. I think that it's really important that we have those people that are willing to take a risk because those people that are in that 10% that get a good outcome, they're probably really be glad that somebody stopped you know we think of like you know i keep having this image and i think a lot of us do of a wreck on an interstate or Mm -hmm. something like that but what about those people that have a wreck on a road that nobody's driving down And you might be the one person that comes by. And if you don't stop, that is their one chance. So I I think you just got to know your situation. And really, I mean, that's where critical thinking comes in. If you're not thinking there's a risk, I mean, it's one thing. If you saw a car swerving and bullets flying in the air and then the car crashes, that's different than if it's like an old man in a Buick, an 86 Buick Skylark or whatever, doing like 45 and then he like hits a tree. I would go to that car and I would be like, oh man, oh man, are you okay? That's different. You know, that feels like a specific it's situation right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yes. Oh yes.
3: But
2: like you said, unfortunately, you don't know that right. 99% of the time until right. you get there. And unfortunately, if the trouble's there, you yeah. are already, already knee deep in yeah. that water and that's a problem. So, and also in that scene, the most important thing you can do is get EMS there. So, yeah. again, phone call. Stay out of the way.
0: That wraps up our Good Nurse, Bad Nurse live episode at the Nurses PodCon, and it wraps up the PodCon itself. Thank you guys so much for coming and participating in this event, everyone. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Our sponsor. Yes,
0: Thank you so much for our sponsors for making this happen. And, of course, we want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a nurse.